Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. This is a podcast from Minute Media. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a ton of books that have come out this week, starting it off with a spooky Halloween the tweet. Oh, scary the way you do that, Alex. That's really good. I don't know what that accent was. That was the scary part about it. But we're going to be talking about Batman, the long Halloween special number one from DC Comics, written by Jeff Loeb, art by Tim Sale. You probably figured this out already, but this is reteaming Loeb and Sale in the world of long Halloween to continue the story. The Halloween just keeps going. It's just like they keep doing. uh, You can't hear this on the podcast, but I'm doing the drag it out symbol. The drag it out fingers. I gotcha. Yeah, it's good. I can just. I can sort of faintly hear your fingers touching each other. Yeah, and I'll tell you. You need to moisturize. You need to moisturize. I'll tell you what. uh, Not to sound overly negative, did a little feel like dragging it out. Um, Tim Sale's art, great. I don't know that I needed this. How did you guys feel? Well, it sounds like, Pete, you did need this. This is exactly the bomb you needed in your life. B-A-L-M. Bomb. Bomb. B. Bomb. Um, I came to drop bombs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got more I, rhymes than the Bible's I, got psalms. It's a yeah. better rhyme. Anyways, better rhyme. yeah, I just think I, I, you know, this is just kind of like an old classic DC kind of team up that you want to see. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, I, I like the way... Uh, Batman looks in this and kind of the storytelling of it, the way the art leads the way with the paneling and stuff like that. This to me is kind of like classic DC fun. So anytime they want to kind of reunite for this, I'm on board. What about you, Justin? To me, like the the Tim Sale art is beautiful, but this is definitely like a coda to the main series. This doesn't have a lot of standalone appeal. Um, outside of the art, which I think is amazing. It definitely feels like it's like, here are a lot of elements from The Long Halloween that we're just going to um, recall a little bit. And because uh, these story points don't really happen in the larger DC universe. So um, the pieces we're following up on here are very specific to this book. Right. And it also feels like, uh, just to get into spoilers for the issue. So one of the things left dangling by the long Halloween sort of re- left up to the, the reader is who actually was holiday. And it's pretty clear if you're reading the book that it was Harvey Dent's wife, Gilda, who was holiday, yeah. but they never explicitly say it. So it's been this longstanding mystery here. They're like, Oh yeah, it was Gilda. And, and yeah. that just sort of feels like, ah, I didn't need that. Like I didn't, I didn't need that extra bit necessarily confirming it. Some people did though. That's fine. No, no, that's fine. I'm just saying from my perspective as a reviewer, like if other people did, that's great. Um, I think it was well executed. There's a good emotional beats with Harvey and Gilda in particular, but it's the sort of thing. I don't want to come out of this thinking, well, it could have been worse. 
You know, like that's that's a bummer of a feeling to come out with because I want to love this. I love Long Halloween. I know they already did sequels to it. They did Dark Victory um, and uh, I'm blanking on the name of the other one, but it just feels like I don't need this story continued because it's one of the most perfect Batman stories ever told. So it's okay that it exists, but I'm not bummed it exists. I just... Uh, oh man! I don't know. I, I didn't need it. You really took all the fucking uh, wind out of my sails here. My Tim uh, sails. Your Tim sails. There's <laughs> so sales. much that you're. And people don't know this if they're only listening. Pete is actually two miles away from the microphone right now. Yeah, <laughs> it's just uh, you know, I I was like, oh man, what a great kind of like. Let's go back, you know, and kind of uh, tell another tale and kind of uh, have a good team up and and something that kind of makes you feel like a Halloween book, like Halloween is coming, like this is such a uh, a part of that. And, uh, you know, you're just like, yeah, I don't need this in my life. But that's that's all right. That's Alex's opinion. And you <laughs> you listened to it with your Tim, your Jeff Lobes, and it took the wind out of your Tim sails. <laughs> yeah, if anybody liked this or anybody needs this, that's fantastic. That's great. I am very happy about that. Uh, I am offering up my opinions as a comic book critic on our podcast. A journalist. Yes. Jo- Just journalist. real quick, let's not, say journalist. Let's not a credibility not, there. Let's not. Well, yeah. let's talk about something I'm sure you loved, Pete. Inferno number two from Marvel. Oh, <laughs> no. Wow. What is with we, this start? We should change the order. Can we change the order real quick? Yeah, yeah. Man, we're just fucking bad. It's a real poking order. Written by Jonathan Hickman, art by Stefano Caselli. This is continuing Jonathan Hickman's big final story on X-Men. Picking up on the cliffhanger of the last issue, where Destiny is back alive despite Moira Nick Tavert, Professor X, and Magneto's best efforts to keep her from being resurrected. Here we flash back in time and see exactly how that happened, leading up to a new status quo for the Quiet Council. So I'll tell you what about this one. Love the history here. The emotion between Destiny and Mystique is awesome. I'm still not 100% sure why this is called Inferno, though. Well, yeah. Uh, There's more, though, right? Inferno's not over. Yeah, there's more. There's more issues. There's more there's more to burn. You know, a lot of times when you're building a fire, you gotta get the kindling out, you gotta get the wood ready, you gotta scrunch up the newspapers so they're tiny balls. That's yeah. where we are. We're scrunching go. up newspapers. Where's the batches? Hey, where's the batches, honey? Where are yeah. we in the batches? I can't find them. Oh, I like this fire building character you're playing. This is Alex <laughs> if he went to the country once. Yeah. Hey, hey babe. Hey, where are those <laughs> trees? Where'd we leave those trees, babe? Uh Yes, this is <laughs> there's a lot of voting, something that I yeah, know can, Pete likes as far as an yeah. action. Why is sequence. this a comic book? There is nothing that happens in this issue. All we get is a bunch of people explaining to me how voting works. And well, then we Pete, get these there's flashbacks. an election coming up. I know it's not one of the big ones, like a presidential election or anything, but it's still important that people register to vote and vote in every election because it's it's the down ballot votes that are eventually going to lift those big ballots. As a Pennsylvania resident, we may not know much about what Pete is voting for, though. <laughs> He's voting uh, in the stake-off or whatever. Uh, I, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, voting is important, okay? And I guess if that's their message <laughs> there, well done. But, like, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't I would, think that's the I, message. This continues to be like, hey, you're on the council, another bad person in a circle. We're going to make important decisions, 
uh, moving this hump island forward. What the fuck are we doing? That's the uh, platform um, for Eric Adams running for mayor. We got to move this hump island forward. <laughs> Manhattan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The the thing is the inferno is is coming and there's a is lot of it? stuff there's a lot of stuff boiling here um, all the quiet is council there? stuff all the quiet council stuff feels like it's gonna explode like Professor X Magneto both stressed so something's up everybody's not happy there's excuse me a lot of factions building here and then on the other side we have what's going on in space in the the Orcus group and that's. That's the lots happening there. I think we're, the, the trap is going to be sprung, I imagine, next issue. And the character revealed at the end of this issue, as a new member of the Quiet Council, I was like, oh. That's okay. weird. It was weird. Yeah. It was a weird choice. Uh, I weird. didn't necessarily understand the cliffhanger going on here. But like you're saying, I think they're, it feels literally like they're moving chess pieces around a board at this point. Um, so while I appreciated all the flashback, I do want to get to whatever the explosion is, you know? Yeah. Let's yeah. get to something. Well, let's get to the next title, which is Batman Fortnite Foundation. Number one from DC comics written by Scott Snyder, Christos Gage, and Donald Mustard art by Joshua Hickson. This is following up on the smash hit miniseries, Batman Fortnite zero point. And here we're getting all of the villains excuse me, of the DC universe, trying to get in a new crack in the universe. We meet a new character called the Foundation who teats up with Batman to try to stop the Batman who laughs, who has been mysteriously resurrected. Uh, and it all oh. eventually sets up the fact that the Batman who laughs is now an unlockable, playable character in Fortnite, the game. Um, yep. That all said, Pete, I know you're a big fan of the miniseries. What did you think about this one shot? Yeah, I think this there's they continue to have a lot of fun with this. You know, it's a fun mashup of uh, ideas. I love how the art was changing with the different worlds changing. So that was really cool. Um, the Batman who laughs is too creepy for me. So it would be great if he could just live in this pocket world. Really? And not join the regular DC world again, because I, I do not like him. Is it his pointy hat? Or I guess it's, they're sort of it's sunglasses. All of it. It's all of it. Interesting. Um, I thought this was cool. I actually really liked the foundation character, a character that I would like to see more of just in the regular DC universe. The idea of like someone who is in like a pocket dimension of their own creation, uh, is very strong, but sort of like unable to figure out what anyone's doing and why, uh, great catalyst for the DC universe. perhaps. Yeah, I like this. I think the real standout for me was the art in this book. Joshua Hickson's art yeah. was awesome Very good. throughout. Yep. So good. Really liked it. Not exactly the same sort of thing, but reminiscent a little bit of Francesco Francavia without Ooh. the shading or extreme coloring that usually goes on with his work. But uh, it didn't necessarily have the emotional hook of the first miniseries, which was Bat and Cat, and that was so strong and so awesome throughout that. Um, but at the same time, th th these crossovers are so much better <laughs> than they have any right to be, is essentially <laughs> yeah. what's going on. Yeah. Next up, let's talk about House of Slaughter, number one from Boob Studios, written yes. by James Town IV and Tate Brommel, art by Chris Sheehan. This is the first spinoff of Something is Killing the Children. Here we're focusing on our main character from that series, 
quote-unquote brother, basically another member of the House of Slaughter. We get a little bit back into time with him, uh, as well as what's going on with him in the present, what mission he's running. I thought this was phenomenal. Agreed. Really great. Uh, Yeah, I mean, uh, I loved everything about this. The art continues just to be absolutely bananas. Uh, The little glowing owl was adorable. It's it's cool to kind of see the other side of it. We've been with uh, the main set of characters in this book, so it was nice to see. We kind of got the introduction of the House of Slaughter, but like to see kind of other factions of it and how it works and uh, kind of like what kind of school this is uh, is pretty interesting and pretty cool. So, um, yeah, I, I've been this just continues to be such a kick ass series. I'm so glad uh, for all the success it's having. Yeah, I mean, this feels like they've successfully built a like creepy Harry Potter esque uh, little universe here that I'm dying to explore. Like the the sort of the way they you know capture, they have their own little personal monster. They're training to fight these scary monsters. Uh, it's bad that a lot of them they are bad at it. Handkerchiefs. They've got a lot of different handkerchiefs, different colors of handkerchiefs. Some have teeth, some have no teeth. Yeah. And it's interesting how you pronounce handkerchiefs. Handkerchiefs? Yeah. Hanker- you guys don't pronounce it handkerchief? No, they're the handkerchiefs. Handkerchief. <laughs> they're the most important hankers. They're the handkerchiefs. <laughs> Regional differences, I guess. I guess so. Nah. Task force. How many handkerchiefs do you have? <laughs> I, I, none, but I have several handkerchiefs. And oh Task Force Z, number one from DC Comics, written by Matthew Rosenberg, art by Eddie Barrows. In case you couldn't figure out for the title, this is basically a Suicide Squad led by the Red Hood, but with bunch of, a bunch of dead villains who are resurrected using a formula. If they go crazy, they're going to start biting and eating people, but they got some chemicals to keep that at bay. Pete, what'd you think about this one? I think this is just kind of like a fun zombie teamed kind of thing. I, I, I thought this was kind of like a classic DC comic. Great writing, amazing art. I think it's uh it's creative enough to like uh to be different enough to, so I, I think this is cool. Love to see crazy quilt out there, especially at this time of year when everyone's working <laughs> on their own personal quilts. It really feels topical. Um the premise of this book doesn't make a lot of sense. But I will say the book does a great job of being like, so let's just so have what? some fun. <laughs> yeah, let's just. <laughs> and so have some I, fun. I'm here for it. I I like uh, Matt Rosenberg's writing, and this is and the art's good. Bergie, um, I definitely I'm spent a, a lot of the book wondering whether it was in continuity or not, and ultimately I think it is. Maybe? Yeah, I think it is too. I wanted it to be more of a zombie book. Yeah, um, and maybe that's what it will become eventually. Cause yeah, it'll get there. Feels like they don't have a lot of great control of the zombie biting, the zombies right. biting. So I think we could definitely get a zombie sitch on our hands here pretty fast. Potentially. Next up, the Harbinger number one from Valiant Comics, written by Colin Kelly, art by Jackson Lansing. Uh, after a long time away, we're finally getting a Harbinger title here. We got Peter Stanchik wakes up, has no memory, finds a world with a Syot town, very different from Mutant Town back in the day in Marvel comics. But he explores there, tries to figure out what happened to his memory, and clashes with a bunch of people. I really like this quite a bit, even though I'm a bit behind on Harbinger continuity. But what did you guys think? 
Yeah, I really uh, especially love the art. Uh, you get a cool character, Cece, in here. I like those kind of, like, moments. Uh, you know, there's a lot of big over-the-top moments, but there's also a lot of cool small moments in the book, and they, they do that really well. I love this as a number one, kind of, like, really getting us up to speed with everything, uh, setting things up in an exciting way, that, and, and kind of the last page gets you pumped for more. I, I agree. This is a great uh, comic. I'm, I'm, exci- I'm excited for this. Yeah, I like this a lot, too. The story is really nice, really well-written, great like interior monologue happening throughout. And like Pete said, the art's really good. This feels like a great way to, to reboot uh, Harbinger, something that's happened before. But uh, I don't quite know what happens at the end of this issue, but it seems scary. I <laughs> agree. Let's move on to another scary book, then. DC versus Vampires, number one from oh, DC Comics, yeah. written by James Town IV and Matthew Rosenberg, art by Otto Schmidt. This is one that is out of continuity and all about vampires invading the DC universe. Pete, I know you were pleasantly surprised by this one. Lay down your thoughts. Yeah, this was one of my favorites uh, for this week. I was re- I thought, like, all right, here we go. But I was really impressed with this. It was a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be. Loved, enjoyed the Green Lantern being a complete douchebag. Also, love the Alfred stuff. Ah, oh, Alfred, miss you, miss you, Alfred. Uh, yeah, I think this was a Doesn't fantastic. He show up for one page at the end. Yeah, yeah, he does. And, and for those of you listening, we actually edited out. Pete went on about how much he missed Alfred for a full twenty-five minutes. We had to cut it, <laughs> and I'm so sorry. We're going to release that separately, separately on yeah. the saddest Patreon launch uh, <laughs> you've ever heard. But as far as the number one, I think this does an unbelievable job of getting somebody hooked on something and excited for more. Uh, I I agree. Hal Jordan being such a jerk was fun. It was funny. I feel like. Hal Jordan's one of those characters that he had this brash uh, sort of thing was how he came up. And then eventually he had to be such a sort of savior hero that that all went away. And to see him being just pretty, just like shooting from the hip, like, hey, I don't know. I don't care. This is who I am. I'm Green Lantern. This, I'm busy. I can't believe they left me behind. They all went to space. Anyway, I just uh, killed this other guy. What did you? What do you think about the character of I Vampire constantly referring to himself as I Vampire? I like uh, it so much. I'm going to think. I'm thinking of doing it. I'm going to yeah. be I Justin. I Justin. I Justin likes this comic. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, is it cool? Is that chill? Is that a chill thing to say? That's, yeah, that's chill, as the kids say. Bruce Wayne may appear to be a wealthy playboy, but beneath this facade, his true identity is that of the Batman waging an endless war against crime. Join the Cape Crusader and Batman The Audio Adventures, the first scripted audio original featuring Batman and his villainous rogues gallery in a world premiere story of life and death in Gotham City, debuting exclusively on HBO Max. Starring Jeffrey Wright as Batman and a who's who of incredible Saturday Night Live alums, this rollicking adventure told across 10 episodes is written and directed by Emmy winner Dennis McNicholas. Includes devilishly delightful original music by Doug Bossy and performances by Rosario Dawson, John Leguizamo, Chris Parnell, Melissa Villasenor, Seth Meyers, Jason Sudeikis, Brooke Shields, Fred Armisen, and many, many more. Go to hbomax.com slash Batman Audio Adventures for more and stream Batman the Audio Adventures only on HBO Max. Chew! Chew, chill. Chew number oh, nine boy. from chew, Image Comics. And Chew! 
Written by John Lehman, art by Dan Boltwood. This is CHU continuing a crime heist throughout time. They found a wine that lets you travel through time. Time Uh, crime with wine. Time time crime crime with wine. wine. I mean, that's probably where that idea started. But uh, as usual with this book, it is a fun crime romp. I just have a blast reading this every single month. We get some backstory here um, on how uh, a cater waiter gets into a life of crime, which was yeah. fun. Uh, that's got to feel right up your alley, buddy. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you back I've in done, the day. Kinda like I've been there. Back when you were traveling around the world. You know? What? <laughs> traveling <laughs> around the world committing crimes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wine Drink crimes. Wine. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I think this is really great art. It's a nice departure from two, but still feels good. The character's fun. It's a little different, but uh, just different enough. Uh, yeah, this can, can, continues to be great. I also really love the cover and this kind of like painting, kind of like hint to what might happen in the future. I think it's great. Good stuff. Next up, The Amazing Spider-Man number 77 from Marvel, written by Kelly Thompson, art by Sarah Pacelli. Now, the first arc here was written by Zeb Wells. Now that Peter Parker is in a coma, Ben Riley is Spider-Man full-time. This is the first uh, arc of that, also kicking off with Kelly Thompson's run on the title. Uh, what'd you think about this, Pete? I know you've been conflicted about Spider-Man in general, now that things have been streamlined a little bit, how do you feel about Ben Riley's adventures? Uh, not a fan of the Ben, uh, but um, by the end of this issue, I was like, now we're talking. <laughs> All right. This could get interesting. I'm when, excited. Uh, when Morbius shows up? Yep. Yep. That kind of last panel, I was like, yeah, let's do this. And then kind of get the real Spider-Man back and uh, let's have some fun. Let's get well, Spider-Man's in a coma. Let's... He's probably going to die. Well, he's going to wake up because it seems like this Ben and Peter thing is kind of one's off, one's you on. Know, Peter Parker thing, is going to probably die. And then Peter Parker. And they'll never bring Peter Parker. Who back. are you? And then and Mary to... Jane will die. Oh, uh, wow. The they're going to. Ha- no, they're all one of them will heart. always have a broken heart. That's that's nice. A fun way to die. Um, there's a. I think it's going to be like a, just a lot of taking turns being in a coma. <laughs> coma swap. Coma, um, well, that's, let a, me, that's a fun arc. That's a fun yeah, arc. Did you? Idea. By the way, this is a total side note. But did you ever have the uh, coma swap Spider-Man figure back in the day? Uh, <laughs> I got that at Toys R Us. I got like the last one on the shelf, so I was pretty excited. completely unarticulated. No bendable <laughs> appendages. No, I just lay there. The package. It was glued to the hospital bed. Yeah, that came with it. It was great. It really saved you a lot of the energy in terms of coming up with creative playtime. Oh yeah. My God. Oh yeah. I was like, killed oh, this my is imagination. Exhausting imagining things. Uh, and Peter's still sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. I have a question for this book. Now, right. Ben Riley, uh, right. clone, yeah. coming in, a lot of similar experiences. Coming to in hot. Man. Coming in hot. When he's fighting and playing around, pretty quippy, pretty making jokes. Right. Um, in an organization where he's sort of like, oh, this is, uh, I don't, I, I'm sort of messing up a little bit. Oh, but when I'm not here, I go home to my um, girlfriend who has red hair. Yep. <laughs> um, what's the point of this? So far, <laughs> like why? And I don't mean that in a super in a it super seems negative like way. A, a negative thing to say. I don't mean that, but it does seem deliberate that Ben Riley's things are all almost identical to Peter Parker's, and then at the end of the issue, something 
sort of bad happens to him, dramatic, is Ben Riley like sort of the knockabout Spider-Man, the Spider-Man we can like mess up. Yeah. While Peter Parker has to stay pristine in the coma. Potentially. I mean, I think at the very least, I don't know if this is what you're getting towards. There's obviously a lot of things with the Beyond Corporation that we don't know about. That certainly seems the big overarching what is their goal thing going on here. Uh, But also, like you're saying, I think it's Janine is the name of his girlfriend. Certainly seems like she is a clone of Mary Jane who is being held in their apartment by the Beyond Corporation or is not real or something like that. So it feels to me like they're slow playing a lot of these mysteries purposely so where we're going to get these answers, just not yet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hope so. And that's a really interesting story. The idea that it's like, we've formed this person to be like our version of Spider-Man where it doesn't matter if he gets hurt or killed. Like, what does that mean for the character whose head we're in? I just I'm excited to see if uh, if that's what it is. Yeah. Next up, Adventure Man number six from Image Comics, written by Matt Fraction, art by Terry and Rachel Dodson. We are officially kicking off the second arc of this title after the big introductory arc with our new Adventure Man going on her second adventure, tracking down a ghost train. Uh, art continues oh, to be great the in this title. Gold ghost train. Gold ghost train. Art continues to be great in this title. They oh, yeah. are having a lot of fun writing it. I'm enjoying it. What about you guys? Yeah, I mean, art's unbelievable. I mean, let's not undersell how great the art is. I don't uh, think we're also, doing that. No, I okay. started out saying the art was great. Art's great. Yeah, I mean, but and the I way you say everybody, it, I charged everybody upwards of $500 just for me to say the art is great. So, Oh, wow. oh no, Pete, are you worried we're overselling the art? Yeah. No. We're shifting no, from no. an undersell to an oversell. Uh, that's fine. I, uh, I just, when someone says art's great, you know, with no meaning behind it. I, I'm worried that it's not going to Oh, was that an impersonation back. of me, Pete? Yeah, you're like, mm-hmm. you're screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyways, uh, I think we should, that- You know what we should do is start just selling the art on the side, make a little money. Yeah. Oh, you're selling other people's art? Other yeah, selling and overselling. Is this a good time to mention we're selling <laughs> NFTs of Adventure Man number six? Oh, my God. Yes, that's um, perfect. Also, you, know what what M- gr- you know what M- NFT stands for? No fucking thanks. <laughs> uh, anyways. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Stop. Yeah, this isn't. Oh, Dr. Z. Dr. Yeah, Z yeah. is checking in. Um, yeah. Uh, also, a lot of great back matter in this issue. This is just fun. It continues to be fun. Uh, I think they're doing a great job. I agree. I agree with all of the, the fun talk. This book does feel like um, this went on a long hiatus uh, recently and just came back. It feels like they've been holding in a lot of this fun energy and it's coming back in a big way here, both in the art style, which I, let me just say the art is good. Pretty good. And the writing as well. (laughs) Oh, how did I sell that? You didn't sell it. You didn't sell it at all. Okay. (laughs) uh, Take two. Try 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 saying it like, yeah, it's good. (laughs) There you go. That's what you sound like. Yeah, it's good. (laughs) This art is pretty good. (laughs) See, that makes it sound better. That's nice. Aquaman, Green Arrow, Deep Target, number one from DC Comics, written by Brandon Thomas, art by Ronan Cliquette. Whatever you think this book is about, it is not about that. This is book what I will really say. threw me for a loop. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I was like, uh, they're going to team up and uh, solve some crimes. That's not what happens. Nope. Just to spoil it's this the book. Old, 
It's mostly about a guy who is screwing up time in a big way for unknown purposes to the point where Aquaman and Green Arrow keep their beard and goatee respectively, but otherwise switch places. We don't know why. It's very weird, but I'm much more into reading this book after I read the first issue than I was going into it, to be frank. It's, uh, yeah, it's like Freaky Friday, but with yes. Aquaman and Green Arrow. It's yeah. deep targets, deep fake is what it is. It's oh, uh, interesting. It's a weird switcheroo in a way that you don't expect because uh, they know about it and they're cool. Like you expect, but interesting and interesting enough that I'm going to check out the second issue. Yeah, they did a good job of, of keeping me intrigued. But honestly, the energy when they finally meet each other in Atlantis. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, it's like like and Joey and Chandler from Friends doing a scheme. They're like, yeah. oh, what are you doing here? You're messing hey, up this whole thing. Out. Um, but also this book reads a little bit like an Ultimates book where it's like, you don't even know how extreme this is. There's time travel in this crazy place. Look, everyone's wearing different facial hair than you expected. Like it's a, there's a flex here on this book, but yeah. it's good. Next up, Stranger Things, Tome of Ybuen, yes. number two from Dark Horse Comics, written by Greg Pak, arc by Diego Galindo. This is continuing a story of Will tracking down a treasure isn't the right word, but maybe treasure left by Bob Newby, the character played by Sean Astin. It's through a winter storm. His friends come chasing after him in this issue. We love the first issue of this. I think, Justin, you called it the best follow-up to Stranger Things in comics so far. Yeah. What did you think about the second issue? Uh, I thought it was good. I was surprised the kids all got together so quickly. I thought it was we were going to have a little bit of uh, of danger. I was happy about that. I was really worried, uh, you know, especially when it's cold like that outside. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, a good friendship is just as good as a winter coat. Well, that's not true. Uh, nope. but anyways, I don't. When I go outside in the winter, I just think about you two, and I'm completely nude. Uh, uh, that's that's not going to work. That's I also get you a lot of trouble. That's going to get you arrested. Uh, you're going to have all sorts of frostbite places nope. you didn't want. It's, it's worked for several years, and people know me as the guy who's on that podcast with his friends. Oh wow! <laughs> that's what everyone in the neighborhood knows me. Why as. look at that man out there? He's got a lot of friendship. <laughs> I don't even know what comic we're talking about because this oh, bit wow. blew my mind. Uh, what comic? What? What? Stranger Things. Oh, Stranger Things. You had me at Greg Pak. All right. I mean, the guy <laughs> writes unbelievable stuff. This is. It, it really feels like just a continuation of the show, and uh, this is a cool side adventure. Uh, that I wish we got to see on television. I think they do such a great job of bringing the show to life on this comic, and I l love the art writing. How bananas. about how about Mr. Clark, uh, a guy we went on a cruise with once? Yeah, Randy Havens. Very good to see him in the mix Randy here. Randy Havens. Randy Havens. I really like this book. I thought this was very strong. I understand what you're saying, Justin, about the kids getting it all in the mix together, but they're in so much danger here. It's it's such a high level of danger for a non-supernatural situation. It's yeah, tough yeah. to walk that line. I know I mention that I, with the Stranger Things comics all the time, but I, I do think Greg does a really good job here of walking that. Yeah, I couldn't Agreed. believe how much 
like the low stakes thing that happened to Dustin that was driving me crazy the whole time. I was like, guys, you got to take care of this. Guys, come on, please stop and, and take care of him. You know, like it was the stress of that was a lot. Good stuff. Next up, Deathstroke Inc. Number two from DC Comics, written by Joshua Williamson, art by Howard Porter. In this issue, Deathstroke Inc. goes to space. Space fun. Space fun to fight space. a bunch of stuff. There's a lot of crazy swings happening into this yeah. book pretty much constantly. Just I, the the pages alone, they're like wild, sweeping double-page spreads for like the whole issue. Yeah. Great art, really fun action, over the top in all the right ways, unbelievable last page. I think this is like you think Deathstroke Inc., you're like, what? But they do a great job on kind of really delivering on it. And uh, yeah, it's it's a sol- continues to be a solid book. It's funny that it's Deathstroke Inc. And Deathstroke's the one everyone's like, stop making a mistake, buddy. He's sort of like the the team fuck up, which I thought yeah. was uh, surprising. Yeah, it's funny. It's interesting. There's clearly some big things that Joshua Williamson is layering in for the DC universe as we get to late in the issue, which is kind of fascinating for something that feels like it's a quirky. Not one-off, but quirky, off-the-beaten-path book. But he's clearly positioning it as something bigger down the road. Well, I like that each issue feels like it's a standalone adventure that we're going to find out later there's a thread connecting it all together. Yes, absolutely. Next up, Black Hammer Reborn, number five from Dark Horse Comics. Excuse me. Dark Horse. Dark Horse. Almost said DC, but it's actually Dark Horse. Written by Jeff Lemire, art by Malachi Ward and Matthew Sheehan and Rich Tommaso. In this issue, we're picking up on the huge cliffhanger of the last issue where Black Hammer's entire family died. We find out there's a twist here. There's something else going on in terms of other universes and other cities. We don't know exactly what it is, but I continue to be impressed at the many iterations of memory loss and memory changing that this whole franchise seems to find every time. And yeah. they do a good job of it, it feels they sort of slow play us in these issues, like it's a superhero comic and then it gets into, it becomes this sort of mind bending, the city above the city, um, all of the, and the memory and loss uh, is sort of themes that you were talking about, Alex. Like it, it really like gets you into bigger ideas, sort of almost, you don't even feel it until you're there, which I, I really appreciate. That's really hard to do. I think. Uh, yeah. I'm really impressed of the emotion that this comic is pulling off here. This is so moving. Uh, uh, it's really interesting to see this character uh, dealing with this pain and uh, the kind of reveal gets you so excited for more. Yeah, I continue to be really impressed with where this comic goes and what it's able to pull off. Uh, yeah, it's it's really impressive. It reminds me of comics like Zot. Uh, sort of back in the day mm-hmm. or like the Mr. X stuff. Um, there's this sort of odd tension hovering over everything, which is really cool. Next up, Daredevil number 35 from Marvel, written by Chip Zarsky, art by Stefano Ladini and with Francesco Mobili. This issue, we got a bunch of bullseyes and a bunch of Daredevils all fighting in the middle of the New York streets, leading up to a big surprise romantic twist by the end Ooh. of the issue. <laughs> What did you guys think about this one? I like uh, this book a lot. I think the uh, Chip Zdarsky's really 
leaving his mark on the Daredevil side of the Marvel Universe and like throwing a lot at the board. And it's it feels different, despite the fact that it's some similar elements, Daredevil, like having to atone for a crime and actually going to jail and going to court, all that um, in conflict with cops, which feels like it's been going on for a while. It just it feels new. And the way that uh, he's been able to bring in like a bunch of bullseye clones at the same time we're still having the the pathos heavy matt murdoch it's great there's no foggy nelson here to really mess things up oh go fuck and, yourself uh, <laughs> you had to ruin this for me i i thought this was a really great comic and then you had to go and point out something that i didn't even realize i was missing oh uh, you know i know when you walk into a room and you're like no foggy you just turn right back around and Did you try read to the find that page fog- because they mentioned that Foggy horribly died off screen. That's not funny. <laughs> it's and, not funny, and nobody cared. Uh, I yeah. really love the art. Uh, the action in this is fantastic. It's doing a lot of cool stuff with Daredevil. Also, like there's some co- cool, interesting Kingpin emotional stuff going on here. Uh, this, yeah, I agree with what Justin's saying. This continues to everything feel- that Justin said. I agree with is what you, you what you mean. Uh, not all the time, but in this case, uh, yes. But it feels stuff. like not. You can't. I just <laughs> say something nice, and you had not have you fucking ruin it. Go for it. It's too late. You ruined. It. <laughs> um, I'm a little worried about Kingpin's romance here. Feels a little hasty. Spoiler. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's going to work out. I guess we'll see. I, I didn't happens. say who it's with. I, I will mention real out. quick as a little plug. Chip Starsky is actually going to be on our live show next week. What? So Tuesday, 7 p.m., check that out. Wait, this Tuesday? This uh, next Tuesday. Not well, okay. it'll be this Tuesday. Yep. You could all figure that out, you listeners. <laughs> well, Echo Lab, you number three. me. The what? next Tuesday. This yeah. coming Tuesday, right? <laughs> what are you doing? As soon as the Tuesday hits, he's going to be here. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Justin. Echo no number three from Image Comics by J.H. Williams III and W. Hayden Blackman. This continues this wild, <laughs> twisting story of a bunch of fairy tale and story characters all thrown together. Widens out the story in a big way to include many different other types of stories. This issue, Pete, I know you love this title. Talk about it. It is worth it for the art alone. The paneling is bananas. The art is leading the way and telling some amazing stories. Uh, You know, uh, Punisher gets a low-key shout-out a little bit here. I really appreciated that. Uh, I just think that this is so creative and and so beautiful. I love reading this comic multiple times just because the art and the paneling is so enjoyable. This is great. It continues to be bananas good. Why aren't you reading this comic? It's a comic where I feel like you have to let it wash over you when you read it and then pulling it back. I said this when we interviewed them, and it was maybe a confusing question. But holding it at arm's length and just looking at the comic from a a distance – is also beautiful. It like yeah. puts everything in a bigger perspective. I also want to shout out the very last uh, sort of bit at the end. There's a new title. It's called Rabbit Lost in the Echo Lands. And it's a whole like feels like a standalone little bit. It's such a cool little piece at the yeah. end of the book. Very cool. Very good. Next up, <laughs> Checkmate number five from oh DC Comics, God, written by Brian asshole. Michael Bendis, art by Alex Maleev. <laughs> We're one issue from the end here, and our Checkmate team is finally taking it to Mark Shaw, a.k.a. Leviathan, in this issue. Uh, we also get the reveal of Lois Lane's brother, who is a super spy in his own right. 
What do you think? We've been a little bit back and forth about this title. Does this issue redeem it, or are you still waiting for the last one? I'm still waiting for the last one because I'm confused a little bit. But the art's great. There's a lot what, of intense, cool things. What are you things. confused about, Pete? What, what, what's happening? Who, who's, who's the bad guy? Oh, so the bad guy is this guy named Mark Shaw, who is Leviathan. He has taken Former out... Former Manhunter. Yep, uh, old Manhunter. He has taken out every spy organization in the DC Universe and is forming his own nation made up with the rogue spies who have escaped from that organization. Meanwhile, our heroes are trying to figure out what he is up to and take him down. In this issue, he takes the church that they're all hiding out in and teleports it to Thailand, I believe. Yep. And only a couple of people make it out, specifically Lois Lane, who is rescued by her brother, who is kept a secret by her father, Captain Lane. Captain, I think. Lane, her entire life. So she finally meets him. And at the end of the issue, Mark Shaw comes and uh, is going to take them down. And that's the cliffhanger we're left with. Does that explain oh, it? Yeah, thank you. No problem. Um, you know, this book... Uh, there's some parts that I like, but it just feels like so much of it is like a thing happens and everyone stands there and talks about it and does some bits. It feels like hanging out with um, an old an improv class, yes. like going to a bar and being like, hey, it's crazy. You see that cop just drove by. Imagine if that cop had a hat on. Oh, what hat would that cop wear? A fedora, probably. Oh, maybe a top hat. What if you cops had to dress up? It's just like bits. It feels like bits. And like, that's fine. Um, but, but there are good elements here. I just the way that a lot of comics are written now is you save the story for the end, and I think that's a trend. I'm ready to um, just push back a little bit, where we get a little bit more of a narrative thread or spine that we can follow. That the bits can hang on a little bit rather than just bits, 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 and then it's like, haha, the story was this. Yeah, fair enough. Once in Future, number 21 from Boob Studios, written by Kieran Gillen, art by Dan Mora. In this issue, our grandma, Pete, yeah, yeah. makes some big moves in her fight. <laughs> yeah. Makes some big moves Thank in her fight grandma. against King Arthur and his forces. We get an ominous note that perhaps uh, there's some bad things in her future. Pete, what did you think about this issue? This just continues to be so much fun. Um, you know, uh, we get kind of a more reserved grandma. I mean, she does single-handedly take down the Medusa-type character, which was really badass. But, uh, you know, it got me a little uh, a little worried about her future, a little choked up when she was writing the, the kind of like uh, monster hunting for dummies uh, kind of notes. And they got a kind of picture with her, and I'm worried that this is kind of her last issue, and I'm very scared. Feels like once and no future is what's coming for all my grandma. But this is just bananas good comic. Just so you you would say bananas <laughs> one of the top comics maybe of all time. Pete's love, doctor maybe told him, of all time. Pete's doctor told him he needed to get more potassium, so he's been saying bananas a lot. Yeah, that's not. Mm. That's how that works, right? Mm -hmm. Basically, um, I yeah. Anytime a character gets a Polaroid taken to them, days are numbered. Numbered, absolutely. Yeah. What are you going to do and if the grandma dies, Pete? I'm going to fucking lose my fucking shit. Are you done? Is that it? Is that your breaking point for comic books? Well, I might be. I don't know. Oh boy. 
Well, we'll find out soon if we have to say night, Grandma. Next up, <laughs> Aquaman, the becoming number two from DC Comics, written by Brandon Thomas, art by Diego Oloturge and Skylar Partridge. In this issue, we are following Jackson, is the name of the new Aquaman, I yep. believe. Um, and he was heavily hurt at the end of the last issue. In this issue, we follow mostly Mara as she keeps him hidden. There's a great twist halfway through this issue that I thought was such a neat narrative trick that I liked quite a bit. But what did you guys think about this one? I, I think this is a really cool story. Uh, love the uh, the action and Mara slapping people. I think uh, it's a great art. I, I, I continue to enjoy this. Yeah, the art sort of has, it toggles between like, Almost Mark Bagley esque, uh, sort of classic superhero stuff, and a little more sort of flourishy uh, art, yeah, yeah. Um, which I think is cool, especially for for this Aquaman book. I really love the the Aqualad character, um, and the, like you said, Alex, the the little um, narrative twist I thought was really cool. Next up, Dark Blood, number four from Boom Studios, written by Latoya Morgan, art by Moises Hidalgo. This issue is continuing a time-jumping story of a character who has gotten relatively undefined powers, I think, as he deals with racism in several different eras, including World War II. Um, This book is gorgeous to look at and fascinating to read. What do you guys think? Yeah, I am continue to just uh, be very moved by this book. The use of colors for the different time periods is great. Uh, there's a lot of like really amazing action and and different kind of like sequences that they kind of sh- uh, show the action through the paneling. It's very impressive. Um, yeah, I I can't say enough about the art design and the kind of the way the story has been told because there is these different time periods overlapping, but I'm not confused by it, which is so great. Uh, yeah, I I just uh, I think this is one of the great books that are out right now, and, and it has a very uh, interesting ending and just a horrible way to get woken up. <laughs> uh... What this book is doing, I, I agree with everything that's been said, and what this book's doing, especially great, is you were telling stories in multiple timelines, but also the tension is being ratcheted up in each of them mm-hmm. in a way that I was like, oh, mostly multiple timeline stories, it's all feeding into one, and that's where like the, the real dramatic action is happening. This, there's dramatic action happening in all, all of them, and it's uh, stressful. Yeah. Uh, it, it reminds me, this is a weird comparison that I don't necessarily need to make, but the last episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, the way that the tension was ratcheting up in each of the different time periods, and then it comes together at the end, and I feel like that's where we're headed. Yeah. Mm, cool. Last but not least, Black Widow, number 12 from Marvel, written by Kelly Thompson, art by Elena Casagrande. In this issue, we have our little Black Widow team, which includes Black Widow, White Widow, Hawkeye, Bucky and another character I'm blanking on the name of, uh, all teaming up together to go on a mission. There's a twist at the end where we see an old enemy of Black Widow. Love this book, but I want to give a shout out in particular to the covers, which are amazing, like absolutely amazing. This issue, the one that they tease for Black Widow 13 right at the end there is stellar. And I feel like I'm not 
I'm not really struck by covers that much anymore. You know, mostly they are relatively straightforward. These are really good. Just absolutely yeah. gorgeous art here. Uh, the other characters are Spider Girl and oh, Lucy right. Wen, uh, I believe. is. Yes. The, I don't know what her code name is, but um, that's who she is. And this, the covers are great, and the story's great. It's this heavy emotional Black Widow um, backstory where she was uh, sort of placed in this uh, uh, undercover or like sort of almost witness protection situation, and she had a guy that she loved, had a kid, and it's messed her up because now they're gone. She's hidden them away, or Bucky's hidden them away, and she doesn't want to know where they are, keeps testing him. So dealing with all this emotion, all this great action stories playing out, everyone gets to wear some cool clothes and go dancing in this issue, which I thought oh, was great. Yeah. But let me ask you, the current backstory of Bucky and uh, and Nat is that they ha- they were in love with each other. Yeah. Right? And then they got um, – Black Widow's memory was wiped. Mm-hmm. And he knows everything. She knows nothing about their relationship. So with that context, this book is doubly heartbreaking. Because you got Bucky there, like taking care of her at the same time, still loves her, presumably. At the same time, she's super upset about this other relationship she can't have anymore that she had a kid with. Yeah. It's it's heartbreaking. By the way, the cover artist is Adam Hughes, but I think... That checks out. Yeah, that definitely checks out. checks out. But the coloring of the covers in particular is so different for him. Um, is usually I feel like he does like very Darker. bright stuff. This is yeah. very dark, lots of reds, lots of blacks, of course. Uh, great. Cool. Looks really good. Uh, but yeah. great book. I, yeah, I just nice, can't say nice tight little package. Right, Pete. Yeah. That's it. Uh, I also, uh, I just want to say like, uh, the, the right end, this is phenomenal. Here's a character we've seen a shit ton of stories with, um, and it was just, this is, uh, feels great, feels new, uh, but feels like the character. I'm really impressed with the art and the storytelling in this. This is, this is a fantastic book. And I wanted to quickly give a shout out. Uh, we were uh, reading a bunch of Wonder Girls. Uh, Wonder Girl number four uh, continues just to be a, a badass uh, story and uh, amazing action and art and uh, fun bit about a flying horse. Great. Great to hear it. If you'd like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about comic books. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the comic book shop. Green art. Yeah.